Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word for the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. It is Tuesday, February the 28th. 2023 and uh, so glad to have you on great to see you guys today um, as we continue our uh, journey through the new testament in a year and so we are following a reading plan it basically has us reading a chapter five one chapter of the new testament every day for uh, five days a week and we are together for four of those days so this week yesterday we read matthew 18 and today, Mark 9, and then uh, the rest of the week, we'll be in the Gospel of John. Uh, so not Mark 9 today, and then 7, 8, 9 tomorrow. Yeah, I want to go see the Jesus Revolution movie. I haven't seen it yet. That's awesome. Such a, such a crazy thing, right, how God moves. Like, this revival at Asbury just kind of coincides with the... Uh, with the uh, the release of this movie about a, a, a similar move of God that happened in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s. Um, it's just God, man. That's so cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm eager to go see it, though. I'm not a big movie guy. Like, I don't go to the theater very much, but I'm going to go see this one. I want to I wanna see it um, and, su- and support it. So, yeah, so awesome. God's doing it again. I love it. I love it. All right, y'all. Um, well, you know what we do? We read, we pray. We change the world. That's what Jesus is doing right now. He's changing the world. He's been doing it. Sometimes he just intensifies it. And uh, he's intensifying it right now. So praise God for that. Um, just amazing, you know, the, the hunger that are in so many people right now, particularly uh, uh, college-aged uh, folks. Um, we're just hungry, hungry for uh, hungry for the truth of God, hungry for God, you know, and uh, it's uh, exciting, exciting to see. And uh, you know what's say really what's exciting? I mean, this the transformation of lives is 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 uh, exciting, um, and that it's an answer to prayer. That's exciting. But also, what's exciting to me is like what will come out of this, um, because things are being ideas and and. You know, you think about the musicians and the artists and the preachers that are being saved right now. Come on. They're being saved right now. They're being transformed. They're being ignited with this flame, this power, this fire of God right now through this revival that's sweeping our college campuses. And, and we, we don't even know their names right now. Um, but God is calling up men and women uh, to be the, the torchbearers moving forward. And there'll be some of our greatest artists and musicians and preachers and writers and business leaders, uh, and they're being um, ignited 
by the Spirit of God. Man, that's exciting to me. That's exciting to me for that generation. It's exciting to me for the kingdom of God. It's exciting to me for our country, for the world. Our future politicians are being changed. I love it. I love it. Good stuff. All right, y'all. God is good, man. God is good. I hear you out there saying all the time, God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Thank you. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Mark chapter 9. Let's see what the Lord has to say to us today, man. His mercies are new every morning. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning, Joseph. And everybody else that jumped on in the last few minutes. Uh, Mark chapter 9, and he said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God has come with power. Talking to his disciples, they're going to see Jesus transfigured before them. Here we go. And after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. You know, Jesus had his inner three. You know, Jesus did not, look, here's the thing, guys. Jesus did not spend equal amount of time with everybody. Yeah, he didn't. Um, he had, first of all, he called us, he had 72. He had a bunch of people following him. He sent 72 out with power, but he only, but 12 were his inner circle that followed him everywhere. But even, even within the 12, there were three that he spent even more time with, Peter, James, and John. A good lesson of leadership is you don't have to spend the same amount of time with everybody. You got to know who your you got to know who your high capacity people are, and the people that have the possibility to, to influence even more, and give them more time, and give them more attention. And sometimes they just need a little more work. <laughs> you know, they got to need a little more work. Um, it's the talents, right? And uh, Peter, James, and John, five talent people. I need to spend time with these guys. They have high capacity. They may just because of the way they're wired, they need a little more information. They need to experience more, see more, but they're going to have a bigger influence, bigger impact. So, uh, you know, Jesus had his inner three. So he took Peter, James, and John with him and led them on a high mountain where they were all alone. There he, Jesus, was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Wow. Whiter than any bleach could bleach them. That's impressive. I mean, that's white. That's bright. Which people always make fun of. Not always, but people make fun of the way I say white. I don't know. I, I don't know if I I don't know why, but apparently I don't say white right. I say white. I don't know. Um. So, yeah, pardon that. If, I, if it's distracting... But anyway, my kids used to love to make fun of me about that. Especially if I said it in the sermon in front of everybody, white. Like, what? You said white. I said white. No, white. Anyway, Jesus turned white. Whiter than anything in the whole world. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Elijah the prophet and Moses representative of the of the Torah, the law. So you got the law and the prophets represented here, Elijah, the word and the spirit. Um, 
you know, it's interesting, this move of God right now. So um, I really feel like this is an Elijah movement, right? So throughout throughout um, the history of the church, there are, um, there are different movements, and some are more spirit movements, and some are more word movements. I mentioned in the sermon um, about, I don't know, I would say 15 years ago, there really was, 10 to 15 years ago, there was a, a really big move, uh, almost a, a word-type revival. People were interested in the word. What did the word say? The Bible. And uh, particularly among Reformed traditions, um, so your Presbyterians, your Baptists, uh, to some degree, um, but you're, uh, you're more uh, Reformed uh, strand of the gospel. And the uh, so the um, so there's a big, particularly young young adults. I mean, young men in particular were just were flocking to this 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 thirst for the word of God, the 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 word, the letter of the law. Like, what did the word of God say? And it, it was big uh, uh, spike in interest in expository preaching, which is just biblical line-by-line line preaching. I mean, it's, there was such a hunger for that. And, and churches that were doing that were being very effective in reaching uh, younger generations. Um, and so the, um, you know, and, and it, was, it was amazing. A lot of people got saved. A lot of people got, you know, really uh, interested in the Word of God. And this move of God is kind of, is, is the other side of that coin. It's it's more of a, um, a so that I think of those as like Moses movements, right? Those are those are like the word. They they are word of word of God, law. What does God's holy word say? And you know, and, and those are awesome. They're good correctives because you know, if you get too much feeling and experience, and what do you think? What do I think? Yeah, but what does God say? <laughs> you know, so we need those revivals of the word to clarify the truth. And then we have movements like what I think we're experiencing today is these Elijah movements were more or more experiential. It's more um it's more worship, more uh experiencing the infilling of the Holy Spirit, um being uh baptized with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, being sensing in the Spirit of God, um sanctification, all of those those deep spirit workings that are manifested more in those Elijah movements. And so I think, you know, I, this is not a, you know, like a, you know, this is just kind of my observation. I, I see this, what happening, the out, the outpouring that is happening right now is, is definitely more spirit led. Now there's Bible study on the backside of it and there's Bible study during services, all that. And there always should be, you never, you never, you know, you know, run past the word of God, but there's sometimes that God just emphasizes more one or the other. And right now it's more of an Elijah movement, in my opinion. Um, which the Wesleyans, um, so you got the, the Reformed Church was really the, the, the epicenter of the word movement, the emphasis on the word. It's interesting that the Wesleyan strand of Christianity, the the you know, those the the Methodists, the Nazarenes, the Church of God, the Assembly of God the uh, the more non-denominational uh, Wesleyan, th th they seem to be more in the epicenter of this move of God. Because why? Because they affirm more the gifts of the Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit, the, the experiential uh, nature of experiencing the presence of God. And so naturally, they would be a, a the natural birthing place for this move of God. 
Not that it's not happening at other places, but it's more the epicenter. Um, so it's just interesting, just an observation um, in looking at the way God has moved over time. Um, and so, yeah. And it's interesting that the Word people get nervous about the moves of the Spirit, <laughs> and the moves of the Spirit people get nervous when there's a Word movement. It's like, well, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're boxing us in. <laughs> that's what the Word. That's what the Spirit people say when the when the Word when there's an emphasis on the Word, and then the Word of God people they get uh they get nervous when the the Spirit of God's moving. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting. Verse 5, Peter said to James, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Yeah, Jesus had transfigured before them. They're scared. Remember, they were, it's bright white. Jesus is transfigured. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Hmm. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Wow. So they got this huge, this quite literally mountaintop experience, uh, seeing the transfiguration of Jesus. This is a validation of Jesus' ministry. It's a validation of Jesus. The law and the prophets are testifying to the divinity, to the, to the, the messiahship, that's a word, uh, of Jesus. They're testifying visibly for J Peter, James, and John that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the law and all the prophets in this uh, manifestation. And verse 9, as they were coming down from the mountain, and you always got to come down off the mountain, man. Just, just praise God for this outpouring of the Spirit, but there's always going to be, there's going to be coming a time when you got to, you got to come down off the mountain. You got to go back to work. You got to go back to your to your town and your city and your village and your family. You got to go back to what you were doing, but you go back what? Different. You go back changed because you've been in the presence of God. You, something different. So there's been a shift in your spirit. There's been a shift in your awareness of who God is and, and what his calling is on your life. And so you go back, but you're not the same. But you can't stay on the mountain. You can't build a, you can't build a little shelter there and live there. You know, not everybody can move to Wilmore. Everybody came, moved to Wilmore and live at Asbury. Oh man, you got, you got to, you know, you got to take. That's why Jesus often said, "Go back to your town, go back to your city, go back to your family, go back, take it with you." One of the cool things about the Asbury experience that I was, you know, in the in the service, which was pretty pretty uh, bare bones. It was not a big structured service. There was a structure to it, but it was pretty simple. But one of the things they did at the at, at the end of every sort of segment uh, of worship is there would be a commissioning prayer, and so all the folks that were had gathered um, in that particular time, that particular place, and what was unique about it is it was, there was it was always a different group of people, right? It was like like a, um, that that arrangement of people was different every time, but there was a commissioning prayer, you know that that's that this what God was doing among. Uh, us there that we would take it with us uh, back to our homes and our towns and our churches and our communities and our colleges. And so it was a commissioning prayer. Go, take this, spread it, spread the love and the grace and the holiness of God everywhere you go. And you think about that, you know, thousands and thousands of people who, who experienced it and also, and, and, and simultaneously received the commissioning to go, go back. and. Um, 
they're taking that fire with them. Um, that that what they've seen and heard. They're just telling what they've seen and heard. Uh, the, then the cloud. Of, uh, the, this is my son, whom I please. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone, and they had that they had seen the Son of Man. Uh, what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So keep this under wraps until I've been raised again. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. They didn't understand that. What does that mean? They had no concept of resurrection. It was, I mean, that was like, what? That was such a foreign concept. They were not expecting Jesus to be literally raised from the dead. That is, that's why they were surprised at the on an Easter Sunday. They were shocked. They're like, what? He's alive. He's here. He's alive. Which, by the way, we just put put out the service, uh, Easter service times. We're gonna have nine and ten forty our normal service times at Bayside, and then at seven o'clock at Ari Olds Park, a sunrise service. Just like we just like we did last year, three services: seven, nine, ten forty-five. Um, and they asked him, "Why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, "To be sure, Elijah does come first, and restores all things." Why then is it is why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come. And they have done to him everything they wish, just as it was written about him. John the Baptist was the Elijah. He was the Elijah figure that prepared the way of the Lord. And Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, the the Elijah, the Elijah that was prophesied has already come. Uh, John the Baptist has come preparing the way of the Lord preaching a baptism of repentance. Verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. <laughs> I just think I just think about these uh these disciples. They're in the middle of a lesson. They're getting to the best point of their sermon. They're like, "Yeah, and then it was and Jesus shows up and everybody's like, "What? I, I was just getting to the good part." I just but my ending was strong. <laughs> I, but I had, a, I had a really good ending, man. Dang, man. Jesus does this every time. Every time Every time I have a lesson and I'm doing good and Jesus shows up and nobody cares. <laughs> they always just run to Jesus. He does this every time. I had my Sunday school lesson already, and then Jesus shows up. Man. Um, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they overwhelmed him and ran to him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I guess rigidness is a spiritual disease. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, I mean, that wasn't right. That wasn't right. That wasn't fair. <laughs> uh, rigidness. But anyway, this, this young man, he got rigid. I've, I think I've had that disease before. <laughs> I catch it sometimes. I get rigid. Anyway, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not hmm, throw them under the bus, man. 
throw them under the bus like that. They tried, they couldn't. They couldn't help nothing. Verse 19, Jesus speaking, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Jesus ain't happy. He's not happy with their with their lack of faith. Come on. I've been with you. You, sh- you should be able to do the works that I do. Verse 20. So they brought him, and when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately, immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He, he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill it. It was dangerous, you know? These convulsions hit at any time. Sometimes it was it was uh, on the verge of taking his life. Verse, uh, latter part of verse 22. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Verse 23, I love this. If you can. What? Excuse me? They, Jesus didn't say that, but he did say, if you can. Bruh, come on, man. What? If I can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Another marked characteristics of this outpouring of the Spirit is a generation of belief. It's interesting, because in this passage, he says, you unbelieving generation. Well, there's something about this generation. They're believing God. They're believing God for the impossible. They're believing God for the supernatural. Um, it's a faith-filled, faith-filled movement um, that God can do. God can deliver. He can set free. He can save. He can heal. A truly a belief that with God all things are possible. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Love that. That's honest, right? I believe. I want to believe, but it's hard for me. Um, so I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. Man, how often do we pray that, right? Lord, I believe. Man, I struggle. Help me in my unbelief. Verse 25, when Jesus saw what the crowd was, uh, that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter in him again. And never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Come on now. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, this kind can only come by prayer. You got to have a white-hot connection with God. You got to be praying. You got to be in his presence. You got to be in communication with Yahweh. Verse 30, 30, they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they didn't understand what he meant, and were afraid to ask about it. You know, you've been there. Teacher's teaching. You're like, I don't know what he's talking about, but I'm too scared. I'm too afraid to ask. So Jesus is saying, the Son of Man will rise again, and everybody's like, I don't know what that means. You going to ask? I ain't going to ask. You going to ask? I'm not asking, because I feel like we're supposed to know, but we don't know. <laughs> but we feel like we're supposed to know. Uh, we're just going to see how this thing plays out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so they were too afraid to ask him. Um, bum, 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 verse 33, they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, 
what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had been arguing about who was the greatest. Ooh, they, they were like, ooh, Jesus ain't gonna like that. He ain't gonna like us arguing about who's the greatest. We just know that that is not an acceptable uh, point of uh, angst. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he'd placed among them, taking the child in his arms. He said, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does, does, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. You're welcoming the Father. You welcome me, you welcome the Father. Hmm. Radical humility. Um... What if we lived with radical humility, the, 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 the trying to be last? I don't need to be first. I want to be last. I don't need to be first. I don't need to be seen. I don't need to be heard. I don't need my face up there. I don't need the microphone. I don't need to be noticed. I, I just want to serve. Um, hmm. You know, God, God, God can do something with that. He's doing something right that, with, that, uh, with that right now, right? Just that humility. Um, just allowing the spirit to take the center stage. Verse 38, teacher said, John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. If they're doing things for the kingdom of God, God, they're doing things for the kingdom of light, even if they're not with us, if they're not in our group, don't stop them. Come on. Look, if God's moving somewhere, and I'm not, even though I'm not right there in the middle of it, if I see the hand of God moving in another group or in another church, or you see them doing great things, look, I'm not going to condemn it or critique it. I'm going to celebrate it because Jesus is working there. Praise God. So the disciples are like, no, they're not, they're not supposed to be doing things without our oversight, <laughs> without our involvement. Jesus is like, no, nah, man, come on. You got to learn. You got to learn to let uh, me work. I don't just work in you. I don't just work around you. I don't just work in your group and according to your, your expectations. I'm working all the time everywhere. And if the fruit is there, if the fruit of righteousness is there, then uh, encourage it and celebrate it. Hmm. We need to we need to we need to fan that that flame of celebration, celebrating the the victories uh, of other people's victories. You know, I, I just feel like that sometimes we just need to we need to be more we need to be more read, readily um, uh, more eager to celebrate the victories of other people. Um, celebrate for people. Find joy when other people are winning. Find joy when other people are, are doing well. Find joy when other people are finding the Lord. Find joy when other people are growing in the Lord. And it may be a place you've grown past that long ago, but, but, but can we just celebrate how far they've come? Come on, man. Can we just celebrate how far they've come? Yeah, maybe, maybe you're, you're much more mature than that. Maybe so, maybe so. But can we just celebrate the growth? Can we celebrate the movement? Can we celebrate the experience? That God is working in their lives, and maybe, and maybe they're far beyond us. They're growing in late ways that we aren't even there yet, and sometimes we don't even understand it. But can we just celebrate that 
that uh, that God's doing things that are that are that's way beyond us. Yeah. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives us a cup of who gives a cup of water in my name, because you belong to the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. God sees. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for a large millstone to be hung around their neck and they'd be thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. We read this yesterday from Matthew. It is better for you to enter life maimed than two hand, with two hands and, two, and go to hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter the crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat do not die, and the fire is not quenched. Um, yeah, hyperbole, right? Like whatever's causing you to stumble, if it's causing you to stumble, if it's causing you to be hateful, if it's causing you to sin, if it's causing you to stumble, if it's causing you to get into sinful patterns and behavior and attitudes, then remove that from your life. It's better to have, you know, not have the latest and greatest or not go to that place or this place or not go to that party or this party or not be a part of this. It's better to, to miss out on that than to miss out on eternal life with Jesus. Everyone will be salted with fire. Hmm. Salt is good, but it lo but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Be salty. Be salty. That's the, that purifying presence of God. Be salty. Um, let's be salt and light today, y'all. All right, you guys, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your holy word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Help us to be salt and light today everywhere we go. Lord, I pray for my friends. Pray your blessing and encouragement and strength uh, given to each one of them. Lord, May you go with us today um, and help us to be your hands and feet. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for being part of this morning community where we read, read and pray and change the world. So I hope, you, um, hope you're encouraged today. I hope you... Uh, Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.